welcome to the Noclip Awards. I'm your host, Chad Rutherman's. I'm Best Director, Andy Kinnock. <laughs> and I am the Master of Mystery, J.J. Artemis. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have quite a group assembled here today. Uh, and we are going to... I'm like, I'm still talking as if the music is still going to be playing, but it probably will have been faded out at this point. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a certain rhythmic energy to the introduction to an award show. And that's odd because we aren't doing a strict award show this year like we have in the past. It's a loosey-goosey awards year it this is. time. Uh, and we are going to stage this more in the form of a debate. Uh, we couldn't, in good conscience, leave JJ out of the uh, the awards program this year. I am inescapable. It yeah. is. If you've listened to the last two years, it'll be basically the same, except we'll have a judge that will decide a winner. I am the judge. Yes. I decide these things. Did you happen to go through the list of games and determine how many you've actually played? Yes. Three? <laughs> Three games? That sounds about right. Which ones are they? Uh... Do, I do not remember. I did not <laughs> I remember. need a pop quiz right now. This is, this is among many I, things, the things left to mystery. I, I should have known that you wouldn't remember. I'm, mm-hmm. I apologize. Mm-hmm. You should have remembered. I that. should have remembered. Uh, so, yes, as described, JJ is going to play moderator here. Um, he will read off the categories in the order of his choosing. Indeed. And uh, we will give our responses and reasoning. And then he can ask clarifying questions or uh, dumb questions are also allowed and encouraged, and then uh, decide on whose whose argument was better. We are setting out these rules of conversation to make sure that you understand how high the stakes are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the winner of each award will be given a good job email. <laughs> and $10,000 <laughs> per question. Yes. <laughs> It's like buying a vowel, except it, their stakes are a lot higher, and the potential to lose money is inevitable. Mm-hmm. I have never watched Wheel of Fortune even once. Wow. <laughs> I guess. Oh yeah. Send, send Vanna White back home. Huh? <laughs> it's not gonna have the impact I wanted. Now. Enough of this tomfoolery. All right. First it... category. <laughs> Describe to me. The dumbest character name of all the characters that you have experienced on this year. I feel like you should also randomly decide who goes first. Okay, Andy. Okay, so my pick for dumbest character name goes to Polter Kitty from Luigi's Mansion 3. Oh, it's very dumb. Mm-hmm. And do we make an opening statement? Indeed or... you do. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I picked Polter Kitty because... Uh, in Luigi's Mansion 3, you have the Poltergust, which is a play on Poltergeist, right? Mm-hmm. Nice word play. It's so intelligent. And then they also introduced a ghost dog that's called Polter Pup, which feels like it is a word play on the word play they already created. Like we have like a, a trickle down of Poltergeist, Poltergust, Polter Pup. Mm-hmm. And then they take it 10 steps beyond <laughs> and just glue the word kitty onto the end of polter and it doesn't make any sense it doesn't say or doesn't feel good to say and it is very stupid 
Chad, describe to me the stupidity that you have selected on this day. Uh, the character that I've selected for dumbest character name is Ben Hoofleck, mm. uh, which is the parody Ben Affleck character from the game Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. Oh. Uh, there's a goal in that game in which you are to do it. You grind... Uh, using a skateboard, if you're unfamiliar with the Tony Hawk franchise, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, on some uh, red ropes, and then you do a kickflip over him, and then he vanishes from existence, is never seen again, not even mere frames after the goal is completed. He's unloaded completely. <laughs> so, this is a character that is inconsequential, does nothing, means nothing, stands for nothing, mm -hmm. And his name is just a bad parody of the name Ben Affleck. I see. I see. Do you have a rebuttal, Andy, Kenny? I sure do. So both, if you know Chad and, and I at all. I do not. Uh, you'll know that we often like things that are dumb. Mm -hmm. And that was something I thought was particularly challenging about this question. is because there were a lot of silly and stupid names. But... I know that I like the name Ben Hoofleck because it is so silly and stupid, and I feel like Chad does too. Uh -huh. And so I tried to pick one that I thought was not likable in any way, and that's why I went with Polter Kitty, but Ben Hoofleck was on my short list. Um, I think it's more of... it's it's The joke has jo landed yeah, is, in the truth yes, zone. It is a joke... Unless, I think, like, a sincerely bad name is a lot worse, mm -hmm. which is why I think Polter Kitty edges it out. Please describe to me the amount of screen time that Polter Kitty Okay, receives. so Polter Kitty gets... Too goddamn much. Exactly. Too <laughs> goddamn much, as my opponent says. Uh, there are two situations. The, the goal of the game is to collect elevator buttons mm -hmm. so that you can get to the top of the uh, hotel. Excellent. And two times you beat a boss... And these are separated by like hours of gameplay, but you'll you'll beat a boss, you'll get the elevator button from it, and then when you go, it plays a little animation of Luigi putting the button in the elevator. So the cat pops out of it and steals it, and then you have to go chase the cat to a previous floor and find it and defeat it and get the elevator button back. So it is just padding. Does the cat display any personality traits? It turns into a big monster cat. Which, I mean, could substitute as a personality. It is a feature of the cat. Yeah, it just kind of is like a, kind of like a Persian cat, like in cartoons, like it's smug. Mm -hmm. I see. All right. That's all it's got. I understand now that it has a soul. Chad, do you have a rebuttal? Well, it is rebuttal? a soul because it is a ghost. Mm -hmm. I understand these things well. <laughs> uh, my rebuttal is that I gave a good try to sound sincere, um, but Polter Kitty is the correct answer. Excellent. Because I hate Polter Kitty and even talked about hating it for the reasons described in both the mechanical and the name on the episode for Luigi's Mansion 3, so I think that's just the right answer. I take with. your concession as definitive. Mm -hmm. I was leaning in Andy's direction as well, as I do not believe that the joke that you described <laughs> qualifies as a character. It more seems like <laughs> yeah. a small drawing that you yeah. would put in a notebook and I mean, then give it to your friend. I could draw a, a dude... <laughs> And just write, yeah. like, Dude Man the Guy. And say, <laughs> you know, that's my new character, Dude Man the Guy. Mm -hmm. 
And you would have to just accept that as a fact of, of nomenclature. We will debate these philosophies later. It is <laughs> yeah. time for the next category, as the victor has been determined. I was going to clap, but then I noticed you were doing a soundless celebration. You may be, you may clap that we, such that we can cut it out later if need be. I will cut it out later. Stop destroying the illusion that I am all-powerful on this episode of the podcast. My authority must be complete. And speaking of experiences that are complete, uh-huh. please describe the game that you believe to be perfect for the Switch, Chad. Uh, okay, this one, we... To avoid conflict from all previous times this has come up, found out which games actually were and were not on the Switch. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the list is growing smaller every year. I feel like every game in the world is being ported to the Switch. Uh, And I went through, and there are a few on the list that I think are like pretty good candidates. They're games that I would like to have on the Switch so that I could play them in like sort of a cooler, more accessible way like the arctic like the arctic uh and the thing that came the thing that i think most benefits from the switch's unique advantage of being both a home console and a portable console uh that i think i want most on the switch is the beginner's guide Mm. Uh, and the reason that I chose the beginner's guide is because the game itself is broken up into a series of small vignettes. So it would be very easy to sort of pick up the game, hit your microphone with your hand, make a noise, play uh, a section of it until like the end of that contained game, and then put it down and pick up the next one later. I see. Andy, what say you to this? Uh, my pick is Ghost Trick. Uh, Ghost Trick is from the same creative team that makes the um, Phoenix Wright games. And I think it is like criminal that Ghost Trick is underappreciated. And I think the Switch could give it a new chance at life, give it a similar remaster, market it as uh, from the team that brought you the Phoenix Wright uh, HD collection comes Ghost Trick. And... It has, because uh, it was on the DS, if you played it in handheld mode, it would have, like, touchscreen functionality. Mm. But, like, as discussed on the episode, uh, both of us kind of just wanted to use buttons. So that's not an issue if you, you don't have to play it uh, in handheld mode. And it is also, like, an episodic, very, like, um, broken up kind of, like, into chapters, like a lot of handheld games are. So it's already handheld, and it, so it benefits from the handheld functionality of the Switch, but it is also something that is easy to just like put on and veg out to. Like it's a pretty uh, e- good difficulty curve like puzzle game that you could play for long hours as well. I see. Andy has co-opted the episodic benefit you have described, Chad, <laughs> and atop that benefit placed some joyous and colorful cartoon graphics. What say mm-hmm. you? Uh, I want to say that the best argument that you have by a long shot that I admit I did not consider is, and I want to, I want to question whether it's in the spirit of the category, Mm -hmm. but for sure re-releasing the game at all would be a monumental, like Nobel prize worthy uh, effort to increase its, (laughs) its, it's like 
popularity. Because mm-hmm. that game is extremely underrated, or at the very least, no one has ever played it before. <laughs> I read about it in a Game Informer yeah. exactly once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a real good game, and I would love to see it on the Switch because of that reason. I disagree, though, that it gains... Well, obviously it doesn't gain much because it's already on a portable platform, mm-hmm. but... Uh, like, I don't think that, I don't think I'm more likely to play that game in short chunks than other games generally, just like as an absolute average, I think would be where I would land on Mm -hmm. that. I think that your rebuttal makes sense. I, when I'm looking through all of our choices, actually thought there wasn't anything that would really benefit from being on the Switch except for my runner-up, which was Halo, because you could Mm. give it the gyro controls for aiming, but that's Halo, and it's never going to be on the Switch. (laughs) So I decided just to not pick it for that reason. Uh But I think Ghost Trick still benefits more than the Beginner's Guide, because the Beginner's Guide is like four hours max, and really wouldn't benefit from being able to play it in small chunks. I was hoping you wouldn't reveal this information to JJ. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, Ghost Trick is a good, like... 12 to 15 hour game mm-hmm. uh so it would and it is clearly delineated into like chapters like because it's designed for that like you play it on the bus because it was made in japan and that's a thing that they consider more than we do so it already has that kind of structure that would make it good for switching oh yes Th- those in japan think of buses far more frequently Chad. Second only to the British. <laughs> Indeed. Think, sorry, second only to people thinking about the British. <laughs> yes, better. Even better. You are hanging on by a, by a nary a thread. Uh-huh. I, I wish to poke that thread further. Good. My understanding of the beginner's guide implies that it has some level of high-minded philosophical contemplation. A little bit, yeah. That's, that does not seem very Switch-like. <laughs> When I engaged with the Switch, I wished to be ferried away into a land of dreams and merriment, Uh full of colors and joy. Well, in this game, you are ferried away into a land of merriment, but it's multiple different lands of merriment, and there's a really somber and kind of sad and depressing (laughs) undertone (laughs) to it. Uh, But I would argue that's true of other games that are good on the Switch. Like, Undertale got ported to the Switch. I think the Switch port's great, and that game isn't very happy when you get right down to it. <laughs> Indeed. Not at the deepest echelons, but it has a, a crust of happiness that must be mined through. Mm-hmm. It is not a transparent glaze of happiness <laughs> that is constantly permeable. Objection. Pandering to the judge. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> what I mean to say is... I, I advise all pandering. I wish to... In, in, Trust me, pander as much as you need to. Okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Put, I, I wish to see you grovel. Put yourself... I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna go in a different direction here. Okay. Uh, put yourself in the shoes of the average gamer, capital G. It is done. Okay. I own gamer shoes. Owned. <laughs> I'm going they are to... New Balance tennis <laughs> shoes. But they have LED lights on them. On the little They're Velcro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say the name of two games to you, yes. and you're gonna tell me whether you've heard of them. I ask the questions here, but I will indulge this fantasy of yours. <laughs> okay, uh, the Stanley Parable. That is a game. Yes, the Beginner's Guide. Yes, <laughs> you've heard of that as well. Indeed, as an average gamer, I in fact own them both. <laughs> you're not the average gamer then. 
You've sought out something deeper. Indeed. Because I feel like nobody has ever heard of Beginner's Guide, and I think the exact same logic that applies to wanting... Uh, ghost trick. Ghost trick on it applies here. So the question is, do you think that a four-hour game that you can play in smaller chunks is less worthy than a 13-hour game that you can play in smaller chunks? And as I'm saying the words... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> You once again are excavating your own tomb in which you will die currently. As I once again declare Andy the victor with a ghost trick, champion of perfect swishness. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Chad, I advise you to take this moment to collect yourself from your current 2-0 deficit so that you can ready yourself for the next competition. We do have 10 more categories to get through. I'm sure I can make up at least... Some of the difference. <laughs> I just fear that this category in particular may break you, as it is, of course, the game that made you cry like sissy babies. Mm-hmm. I don't wish for tears to come in this moment. I wish only for precise argumentation. Uh, I'm a little sad that this is the next one because I feel like I'm probably going to lose mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, even further ground here. Your excuses are embarrassing. <laughs> Losing the category is going to make me cry. Like like, look, <laughs> I would win for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the I went through our list of games. Oh, you wait. You prompting me to go first on this one? I am. I'm. I'm switching it up, so to speak. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's uh-huh. perfect for switching it up. <laughs> uh-huh. The the list of games that we did this year, I felt like we had like that grand slam last year for the game that made us cry like little babies, sissy babies. It was a Denny's of a category, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Celeste really took it by being that perfect combination of both a game that can be brutally hard at times and also had like a deep emotional core to it. So... This time around, I looked through and tried to find things that sort of met the same similar criteria. But there's only one game here that I think really fits and works. And is the only game I think we played that I could legitimately see somebody crying while playing. And that is Firewatch, uh, which begins with an, as we described, up-esque intro sequence that introduces you to the character and gets you invested in both your player character and the stakes that he is facing as he leaves to go on his uh, summertime adventure. Uh, I'm sure the phrase that he used to describe (laughs) it as well, his summertime adventure. Away from his dying wife. On the box art of Firewatch, just emblazoned (laughs) over the beautiful monochrome art. Summertime adventure. (laughs) Tiny little umbrellas and Mm -hmm. mixed drinks. Uh, and yeah, so the summertime adventure would be the game that I think would make us cry like little babies, sissy babies. Do you agree, you Andy? Lift? Uh, no, my pick for the game that made us cry like sissy babies is Dujana. Dujana is a game about a Middle Eastern woman who it lives in a town that is like occupied by the military and her in the beginning of the game her husband and her child go missing and it's i think implied anyway um that she kind of knows that they are dead she goes off on this adventure uh in the game anyway it's an adventure it's a summertime was it was it summertime (laughs) in the middle east i know it is hard to to recognize those seasons uh, i do not know i don't think it's brought up but she goes off on a on a quest to find them 
would be a better word. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of themes about like death, existential nightmares and things. Like it, it really, and it, it's set in like a near future kind of modern time. And it deals with a lot of like these issues, uh, like, like very real issues in a very like quirky, uh, surreal indie game way. And I think it, doesn't quite hit as hard at any one moment, but it's one that gets under your skin and is kind of sad throughout, but you don't always realize it in the moment. Hmm. So, Chad, it falls upon you now to describe to our listeners what is the sadder thing? <laughs> Having a wife that is slowly losing herself to dementia in her mid-40s mm-hmm. or being a, a widow in the Middle East <laughs> during an, an occupied war? podcast police yeah they're here this is an important question apparently mm-hmm. um are you emotionally ready to answer this question Jay? yeah i think i'm prepared okay i think that firewatch is i think my pick i my mind has not changed hearing the opening argument i think that dujana is a game that made me feel feelings for sure um but i think that it tackles all of its questions that deal with like death and loss and acceptance in a very intellectual way as opposed to an emotional one. I think that it wants you to think about the idea of loss and sort of like how people globally handle it and how it's this like shared experience that people have. And to me, it reads more philosophical, whereas... Uh, the Firewatch writers obviously brought out the violins for their, like, when they wrote that. I think that Firewatch is intended to purely achieve a level of, like, emotional effectiveness, whereas Dujana makes you want to really consider, like, the, the abstract ideas. I understand. Andy, do you agree that is, it is superior to be a sad game that silences your mind with sadness. Uh, I kind of <laughs> personally take the opposite view. Like, I think Firewatch is just a sad story, and there's nothing wrong with that. Those are often sad by design. But I think something that surprises you by making you feel sad, like, it isn't, like, upfront, like, seeming to be a sad thing, like, something that like springs it on you an example um would be like playing a horror game versus like playing a game that has scary moments like in the in the game uh like the piano from super mario 64 it's like the quintessential example Mm -hmm. scared the crap out of a lot of people because they didn't expect to find something that actually scared them in the happy mario game uh and if you applied that like a game wide scale I think that's kind of like Dujana and sadness. Like you'll be going along, interacting with surreal stuff, and then something will hit you, and you'll be like, "Oh, that's really sad." And like, I think that makes it stand out more to me, mm-hmm. uh, and that's made its sad moments kind of like stand out in my mind more. And I think it's kind of focused um, through like the game is Nick called Dujana after its main character and. The way that she, as uh, Chad explained, it kind of uh, deals with like how she deals with the loss and kind of how she works through it. Like, as I said, I kind of got the impression that she has 
this idea that maybe her husband and child have been dead the whole time. And like that kind of like the way she's applying her, like her perspective on all the stuff she interacts with, I think it's quietly like very sad when you stop and think about it. And like, that's weighed on me more And like with firewatch, very sad. And if it sways your, uh, ruling, it was my runner up. Mm. So, um, it's very sad, but it kind of gets it all out of the way up front. It still hits really hard. We compared it to Up, and I agree with that. But it kind of gets that out of the way and is kind of more about... Like, I when I think of the game itself, it feels a little bit more like... Not lighthearted, but like it doesn't feel sad, I think, for the majority of its run, just the beginning. And it's more about, like, that putting you in the shoes of somebody who's doing something that's like, it's, it's testing your moral compass. I think it's more what it's about and like putting you in the shoes. Like, do you flirt with Delilah? But you have that dementia wife, real tough situation. And in the moment, thinking through those things and playing through the game, I don't find it to be particularly sad. I see. Well, perhaps your understanding of sadness will improve when I inform you that you have lost this round. And <laughs> That's fair. You were not arguing these. Each of you have important and grand philosophical positions from you know on the nature of sadness at its core. <laughs> but we are not having this argument before the throne of God. We are having it before the throne <laughs> of me, uh, and I will acknowledge my immediate Campo Santo sadness bias, <laughs> and therefore anoint it with my blessing. I will say to back that up that. Uh, Jujan is also the game that contains bread or anus. Pie or anus. Pie or anus. Mm -hmm. But also, I will counter, counter argue my own counter argument. Such pedantry. That that, uh, Firewatch is also the game that includes Forest Burns, the (laughs) creepiest and weirdest uh, forest mascot of all time. So, I see. Definitely shots on both sides there. Mm -hmm. I accept this revelry as your celebration of sadness victory. My honorable mention went to Blasphemous, by the way, okay. for being the most like crushingly difficult game that we played this year. No, it instills f- sadness within you mm-hmm. in a way that is entirely comparable to empathizing with the, the dementia death of your wife. Uh-huh. Or yeah, is being beaten by a, a RNG heavy boss and mm-hmm. wanting to throw a controller. Entirely comparable. Excellent work, but the work is not over for today. You must both describe to me what game possesses the smashiest balls, Andy. Uh, so my pick is the Celestial Orb from Pyre. What My pick is the Celestial Orb from Pyre. Ah, no contest. <laughs> the orb has been chosen. We grasped the, <laughs> the orb. orb. <laughs> yeah, it, it was the smashiest ball because... It was smashed into the enemy pyre so many times in my undefeated season as the Nightwings. 2020. Uh, my runner-up was Life is Strange 2. I think Sean got his balls pretty smashed. That's pretty accurate yeah. also. I consider Life is Strange 2. I wanted to, just to, to provide a little bit of content from this question, mm-hmm. uh, I was trying to come up with 
a even further definition in order to push this category further away from normalcy. <laughs> and the reason I went with the pyre is because it's a smashy ball, because it does smash into the enemy's pyre. Mm-hmm. But it's also like a very popular ball. Like it's a smash hit of a ball. There you go. Yeah. Everybody wants it. <laughs> yeah. So I did lean that direction as well. So we'll just have yeah. to see what we come up and, with next. And, year. and the team that loses the match gets their ball smashed pretty hard. That's true. Yeah, yeah, they had to stay in the fucking uh, downside <laughs> the or downside. whatever it's called. Yeah, I also thought of Tony Hawk. You get your ball smashed a lot in that on rails. No, yeah. crude, crude. Tony <laughs> Hawk's ball is probably pretty smashed. If you had described a, a literal smashing of testicles to me in this competition, <laughs> I would have held you in contempt of court. In absolutely no way will we lower ourselves to literal. I mean, we will not lower ourselves to last year's standards. Yeah, we're Smash Walter one. We must his testicle grow smash. every year. Imagine how haughty I'm going to sound <laughs> by 2021 when we record this. Mm-hmm. I will become the gaming lord. Speaking of lords of gaming, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I must know. Andy, yes. which game is least likely to be compared to Dark Souls? Okay, so the game that's least likely to be compared to Dark Souls or the series that's least likely to be compared to Dark Souls is the Jackbox Party Pack. <laughs> Strong contender right out of the gate. It is. The energy. Is that what you picked, Jen? It isn't, no. Okay, good. So... Jackpot, I thought you gave, were giving me looks, yeah. so I well, thought maybe... I, that there was were fear. so many games that were nothing like Dark Souls that we covered mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I was going through them, and I, for, like, the first, like, over half I w- way through the list, and I was like, I feel like I could make an argument for every single one of these being like Dark Souls, but then it was less mm-hmm. on the, the back half. But, so the Jackbox Party Pack is a party game you play with your friends. Uh, it is let's see it's a bunch of compilation of mini games or smaller like board game style games uh they're funny there's a lot of you draw you come up with uh goofy answers to things there are silly hosts with goofy names uh it's very colorful um there's goofy music and fart sound effects and things uh they do these silly little animations uh with like the third round and the number three is tied to the train tracks and then it gets up just in time then it says three uh and then it goes to the third round and stuff like that and you don't find anything like that in dark souls (laughs) i see i see what else do you find nothing of in dark souls but do find in our podcast this year chad uh in dark souls yes uh I'm struggling now. Uh, in Dark Souls, you wander around a desolate land of ruins, castles that have fallen, uh, dragons, skeletons, animated, come to life, coming to kill you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and during that time, you're you're in utter silence. Only the sounds of the deaths of your enemies come to uh, to to grace your ears. Uh, my choice for least like Dark Souls, least likely to be compared to Dark Souls, is Sayonara Wild Hearts, uh, <laughs> which is a game about getting over loneliness and coming together to find love just generally among people 
and friendship, and the entire game is set to a bumpin' soundtrack. Uh, in fact, the entire game is based on that soundtrack. It's rhythmic uh, gameplay in sort of like a an arcadey way. Uh, the game is incredibly short. Uh, it is incredibly forgiving. Uh, and your checkpoints don't just come when you find a bonfire. They come more or less like every four measures. Uh, and, ooh, I, ooh, there is a wizard in it. <laughs> well, you, you will regret making that statement as it will provide ammunition for what is to come. If you hear the toll of the bell in the distance, that is because it is the lightning round. And during the lightning round... Are you gonna I, make me edit in a, a bell toll noise? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Clearly. But I, what I will not allow you to edit in is what I will demand of you, Chad, in this exact moment. Uh-huh. If you can rise to this challenge, compare the Jackbox Party Pack to Dark Souls. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I was going through what you were saying and trying to like separate out the other stuff. So one thing that stands out immediately is in any other game that we played, you could not force dark souls to be in it in the Jackbox party pack. There are a lot of places where you can just put in the words, dark souls or references to dark souls, or you could draw uh, a Sigmire into the game and just have it be there. Ah, it's a, tabu- a tabula rasa that you can fill with Dark Souls. <laughs> you can put from software. You can force it into the game manually. Uh, other than that, uh, there are games. The lightning has left you. Andy Kenick, <laughs> lightning okay. strikes twice. So, Sinar Wild Hearts has bosses. As Chad says, it has checkpoints. Uh, it is like thematically like myth- mythology inspired, like the astral signs. It's got uh, a Grim Reaper character with that wears a skeleton mask. Um, Little Death. Yeah, that's not in. De- there aren't people in skeleton. No, but there masks, are skeletons. There are skeletons. <laughs> there are skeletons in in Jackbox Party Pack in a Trivia Murder Party. <laughs> There are lots of comparisons to be made to Dark Souls to trivia, <laughs> obviously. I there sense are you're floundering. And things. Speak not another phrase, Andy, <laughs> lest you ruin your opportunity in, in this moment of victory that you have secured for yourself. How dare you attempt to suggest to me <laughs> that the ability to draw Dark Souls into a me- an open medium implies that the game was similar to Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. I mean... <laughs> Shameful. Shameful. Shameful almost as. <laughs> Whatever game, or I guess child in this case, mm-hmm. will receive the Burger King Birthday Crown Award. <laughs> Andy, what child do you believe deserving? Uh, the, the child that I picked is an eternal child. Uh, it is Ezra from Kentucky Route Zero. Uh, he we're pretty sure is dead uh, in the fiction of the game. Not confirmed. Um, but he is a very happy-go-lucky child in a little suit, so the crown would look especially nice on him. That's true. Uh, he's in his Sunday best. Uh, and <laughs> he, he flies around on an eagle, would also look super regal on his eagle. 
with a crown. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he, he kind of is like weird and quirky and he seems like someone who would be in the lodge in Twin Peaks. Also seems weirdly appropriate that a kid that would show up in the lodge, did I say lounge? No, he's in Okay, in the lodge in Twin Peaks would be wearing a crown. So I went with Ezra, the eternal ghost child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll hold my rebuttal. Uh, my choice for... Uh, this category the burger king birthday crown award yes um sometimes i feel like we really do need to have jj back because i'll just have a dumb idea <laughs> like let's call the category the burger king birthday crown award and you'll just kind of be like sure <laughs> <laughs> It, that was one of the things that that we liked about the awards was that we had some categories with stupid names. I guess that's true. I'm sorry, is this is what we are doing right now? Recording the commentary episode <laughs> yeah, for the are. awards? None of this. I demand boys. Give it me is, a boy description. Well, it could be a girl too. Well, it is in fact Lev uh, from The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, Lev, uh, first of all, I'm pandering to the Game Awards crowd, uh, <laughs> who refused to pick anything that wasn't The Last of Us Two for any categories. I see. Um, Implying, of course, that I am in fact not a man, but a construct <laughs> <laughs> imposed here by the collective will mm-hmm. of those who vote for the Game Awards. Don't act like you weren't for- formerly employed by Spike TV. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, but no, I, I think Lev, Lev is the best kid in games that we played this year because he is the by far the most tolerable of all of them. Uh, and going beyond that, he ends up being a very likable character. Um, he, he, he draws you into like the relationship in such like a slow and meandering way that you develop actual like an actual understanding for the character before you're introduced to like what his main plot is all about um in addition to that i think lev is just generally positive representation uh as a trans character in in the game um and the fact that most people don't like it isn't it is part of his story because of because it adds character to the antagonists but it isn't solely his existence like he's not a character that's written to be a token he's there as like an actual character uh and i enjoy having him around as a companion he's definitely more interesting than any of the other characters in the game um that just tag along and and do functionally nothing so I also detest like all this woke pandering, attempting to gain their grubby hands upon the, the delicious Burger King crown. <laughs> this, it, is a, it is a heavy crown and should be treated with respect. And it seems that Love, he he seems like an excellent candidate. I would love to picture him in in some small glimmer of light in mm-hmm. his dark and dusty world. Does your boy have a glimmer? Why would he look better in this crown? I feel like I already said all those things that he's wearing a little suit and rides an eagle, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I gave lots of reasons why he'd look good in the crown. Yes, but is there but an emotional like... reason why he would look better in the crown? Uh, would it make I me mean, feel things? He is a ghost whose parents uh, left him somewhere and never came back, and he died. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Burger King crown would definitely be like a. 
like a redemptive thing. They came in a crown, like he could rise above it on his eagle towards the heavens. <laughs> it seems maybe like... he could. Uh, maybe it could put him to rest. He finally got an award. It, I it... bet Lev's never even had Burger King. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yes. he wouldn't appreciate it. Uh, he, so he, hmm. uh, he was definitively was born after he was in yeah. a post in a uh, uh, ABK. He was born in twelve ABK <laughs> after Burger King. <laughs> so are you saying that in order to truly appreciate the Burger King crown, one must have consumed Burger King, or merely must know that Burger King exists? Yeah, I feel like the the Burger King crown has an allure to a child that knows what it is. Huh. So yes, <laughs> it, would be, it would be not but a cardboard crown to any other. Mm-hmm, exactly. It would. Yeah. In the in the post apocalypse, he would probably just wipe his ass with that, and he would love <laughs> to have something with which to wipe his ass. <laughs> this is the. This is by far the most difficult time I've had judging a victor yet. <laughs> Which of course means that we must enter sudden death on this right. round. Mm-hmm. What is sudden death? Yeah, we need an explanation <laughs> of what that is. You introduced the lightning round, and then you gave us a concise explanation. Well, I I, I I paused in the hopes that one of you would leap at the other, like oh, like oh. some kind of sharp panthers, giving me the ability to immediately declare a winner by sudden death rules, instead of having to specify what sudden death actually is and means. But through this amusing stalling mm-hmm. that, that I have, although you did not give me the bloodshed that I so crave, you did give me time to consider this matter further. Uh, and I do believe that a child who lives in the post-apocalypse, mm-hmm. full of you know darkness and shame and death, is more in need of the light that the Burger King crown can bring than a child that, for example, already has an eagle that will just ferry him around. <laughs> I feel like he's got he's got what he's he can be an excellent knight to the Burger King child, but, but he's got no parents. Indeed, rulers need a story, an excellent story, rags to riches. He wouldn't have inherited the Burger King crown from anybody because his, <laughs> his father, the king, is gone. <laughs> I still maintain the crown will mean nothing to him, but okay. whatever. This will this inheritance dispute will need to be resolved at a later time, mm-hmm. which I assume Lev will win because of all the murder that he's good at and stuff. <sighs> a victory for Chad. All right. My runner-up also was Ezra. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I only chose Lev over him because of... Uh, the just very ambiguous nature of what or who Ezra yeah, even I is. Think, I think an argument I did not make is I think Ezra acts like a child and Lev kind of doesn't because he was forced to grow up because he lives in the post-apocalypse. Perhaps he can reclaim that joy that was denied mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't really want to argue against Lev, so that was a hard one. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to really rekindle the violence mm-hmm. in your heart if you wish to have any prayer in the future <laughs> categories and account. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're changing what the next category is or not based on that, because you've had a pretty clever segue for all of these. No, I will merely fail now, and now, just... Now, just... now they're all ruined because you acknowledged it. Mm-hmm. Those are the rules of segues. Yeah. This is a moment of silence for the <laughs> segues that you have destroyed. We had an actual spit take. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was safe to take a drink. I really did. 
you are never safe. Ugh. I will prove this to you now uh-huh. by forcing you to, with with water still fresh out of your nose, <laughs> to describe to me what you believe the best original soundtrack or OST, as it is described by gamers. Yes, uh. of this year to me. Uh, yeah, a word of clarification for anyone listening. The, we chose original soundtrack specifically to prevent me from saying, I couldn't make a decision between Tony Hawk, 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 Tony Hawk or Tony Hawk. Uh, and so licensed music is right out. None of that. Uh, so I have chosen, uh, again, Sayonara Wild Hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, me too. Okay. That which is a game I I had, I waffled a bit because I think Sayonara Wild Hearts definitely falls in the text of the category. But if the spirit of the category was to keep pop music out, we failed because <laughs> yeah, it was all originally written, written for the yeah. game. Yeah, that counts. <laughs> it's written for the game, but it is just a very catchy modern electronic soundtrack and one that i listen to like at least semi-regularly like i think it's very good i must admit gentlemen i am sad i was hoping in with bated breath that you would both have to describe to me without allowing me to listen to any of the music (laughs) what the music emotionally sounded like in a way that was convincing Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. way that arguments can be Mm -hmm. halo was my runner-up mine was legend of zelda actually Mm. yeah it's just classically good video game music right there. Mm-hmm. Yes. We have shown you know, on this day that we are preferable to the to indie twee natures over the classics <laughs> in a ways that I, I greatly appreciate. It seems like we have grown in this way. Mm-hmm. Speaking of things that have grown. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Andy, mm-hmm. which game is most improved? Uh, so... The game that I've chosen, which was a sequel that has improved a lot over its previous iteration, is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. This is going to be a very interesting discussion. Mm. Uh, Having played through all of them just recently, I think... I didn't play one, so I couldn't say one to two, which is probably what I would have gone with if I had played it. Mm -hmm. But I think two to three... Uh, from all the ones that I played, had the biggest, like, gap in, like, quality. Like, they figured out the formula, they ironed things out, and 3 feels like the perfect version of 2, I think. Uh, It was the one where the game design felt the most, like, clear to me, as I think on the episode I was talking about the first level, it really felt like you can tell, like, oh, you're supposed to do some tricks here, and then it's supposed to naturally lead up into this spot, and then it naturally leads to here, and it naturally leads to there. And I felt like that stuff stood out the most in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, even above the later ones. So that's going to be my opening statement for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Excellent skating clarity. Why are you so interested in the trajectory of this conversation, Chad? Uh, Because my answer verbatim as I've written it is... Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4, but probably Divinity. (laughs) (laughs) As you've injected interest through ambiguity to obscure what game you're even arguing in favor of during your opening statement. Right. So my actual choice for this category has to go to Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 due to experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will explain. The reason the probably Divinity came up is because I didn't play Divinity Original Sin. Uh, 
or Divinity Original Sin 1. And both, I have to imagine, because I never heard a goddamn person ever talk about the first game, and I've heard every single person talk about the second game, that's probably a pretty big gap in quality. But I didn't play either of those games. So Jenny Hawk's Pro Skater 4 <laughs> uh, is the first game in the series that took uh, the t- the skateboarding mechanics of Tony Hawk and gave you more free time with them. Uh, it Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 feels like the recess in when you're playing through all seven of them in a, in a row, uh, which we did because we're lunatics. Mm-hmm. Um it's the one where you're like, oh shit, like I can just kind of like go over here, do all this stuff. They're, Skate. Skateboards. Yeah. Uh, and it definitely still has a lot of problems uh, in it. And I think we, as we talked about, this is a great advertisement to go listen to that episode. It's very good. Um, four feels like a big giant evolution for the series. And then it didn't get better after that. <laughs> So, I I don't know. I don't know if it's the gap between 3 and 4 that is as big as the gap between 4 and 5. Um, but there's definitely... It is the peak of the mountain for me on the Tony Hawk curve. I see. And why did you, Andy, not recognize this as the truest Hawk yeah. peak? I, where the Hawk less laid to roost. Yeah. <laughs> Pro Skater 4 was my favorite of all of them. But I don't think it necessarily was more improved over three as three is over two like four introduced like as chad said like the free skate around and like get the missions from people uh format uh that the previous three did not have and while i appreciate that a lot i don't think it was necessarily like fully realized it feels a little bit shallow and i think uh pro skater 3 just feels like super tight like as i said i think it feels like the fully realized version of the first two games so i feel like there's a bigger gap in quality between two and three i think the gap between three and four is that as chad described it's kind of like an evolution of the formula it's not necessarily a lot better than the third one i see chad i do worry that in your description of why four would be superior to three instead of three is superior to two, six, seven, eight, oh, nine. Uh, <laughs> it was for you, and it's for you. <laughs> I worry that perhaps you just relished the opportunity to continuously play Tony Hawk without ever stopping <laughs> in comparison to other people who say, when given the opportunity to play all seven Tony Hawk games in a row, perhaps texted you back and said, no, under no circumstances will I do that. I never, that was me. It was, I was the person who did that. Uh-huh. Chad, mm-hmm. is this, is this just, is what? this true? Yes, do you it believe, is true. Do you believe, <laughs> search your feelings. You do know you it to be true. Everyone would, would truly appreciate this open world step more than the polish gem small as it may be that Andy is describing? Um, no. <laughs> I, I think I, I mostly agree with Andy's description of, of, of all of that, actually. Yes. Um, the, talking about the comparative quality of many, many Tony Hawk games <laughs> is something that we have already done at length 
Uh, so I don't want to like go super deep into it. I think my main point of contention is that I think that the gap in quality between two and three is just not actually as high as my opponent is is implying. Mm. Uh, but th- this is such a very minute <laughs> distinction to make. It's like I think that the difference is like a three point four between that and a three point six mm-hmm. to the other one. So I really I do not envy your position right now. Indeed. Racing is a game of inches, Chad. <laughs> but we're debating. You're racing through our mind thoughts to the, con- <laughs> to the conclusion of our argumentation. And I am although I am aghast at your laziness <laughs> I must agree with your inclinations <laughs> andy the word polish is used frequently mm-hmm. many things in gaming are polished studios games graphics mm-hmm. on level three yes on pop them up mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that has been off the air for i think 10 years roughly <laughs> well we're putting it back on yeah can we get a sponsorship from a university that ceased to exist 10 years ago? I can't imagine they're around for more than six months. That is the... They'll probably say yes. Yeah. Uh, we'll try. Yeah. Andy, I have lost my train of thought. My thoughts are now back at the G4 network where they belong, where all true gamers live. But I do wish to, to reaffirm that you have failed and that uh, you do need to know about I that. I mean, I feel like I made a rebuttal to his choice and he didn't really make one for mine. No, he did not. But he said real good words that I liked. And that's the real only judgment that this is about. <laughs> Can we count this as like a half point for each? I, again, with your, with your laziness. And <laughs> I, okay, I'll take the win. I'll take it. I think this is such a... We basically both chose the same game, really. Like, Yeah, if anything, it felt like he was admitting defeat, almost. <laughs> and then he gave him the win. Such are the whims of the judge. I will claim victory. Indeed, thank you for acknowledging my whims. I was worried that with that speech, you two were plotting rebellion, and there would have to be a dark and grim hour on this, the glorious no-clip award show of which I am master. Speaking of masters... Which of the games that we have played this year best mastered the art of storytelling? Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. No. (laughs) Future outbursts like that will not be tolerated. Andy. Yes. Which narrative moved you, and indeed all others, the greatest distance? So, for best narrative, I picked Kentucky Route Zero. Mm. Uh, It has this very, um, like, it, it opens with a really great hook for like a like a mystery narrative um really cool concept where you're a delivery driver looking for an address that doesn't exist seemingly and then you're pointed towards the existence of this secret underground highway that you had to travel along to deliver the package and then it just goes completely like uh in lots of different directions as it goes on uh, it's very surreal it has kind of a twin peaksy sort of vibe where it's like americana like uh surreal almost folklore-esque kind of tone to it it's got a ghost child with a big eagle as previously described in it it's got a band consisting of 
to people who are probably robots, I think, as we've discussed on the Discord, um, who do a cool music number. You play um, one, one of the main characters, like it, the delivery guy, and then there's this woman who worked at a shop where she fixed up TVs and stuff. Motley crew of characters. You go to all kinds of weird places, like the Bureau of Reclaimed Spaces, and you travel along a weird, trippy surreal highway and a river and all kinds of cool stuff and uh that'll be my opening statement well i love cool stuff in folklore but will i love your argument chad well we'll find out um i considered kentucky route zero for sure uh as best narrative for this year and i think my concern is do you get confused when you think when you think about kentucky route zero do you get confused between the best narrative or just like the most narrative because there's a lot going on in, in Kentucky Route Zero. It is a really dense game and in between each episode there are these interstitial bits that are also very long and also tell a whole lot of story. The thing about it though is that all of those interstitial bits and also the narrative that takes place in uh, all of the episodes is all really really good and i chose kentucky route zero for best narrative (laughs) you have brought peace to the podcast this day (laughs) excellent work Mm -hmm. i hope that you aren't using this time to try and continue to foster this rebellious sentiment (laughs) that i was been so concerned about in our prior category discussion the best narrative of a podcast is going to be the the evolution of the no clip awards throughout the 2020s where we slowly stage a, a you take more authoritarian power over the several years until we stage a rebellion against you i do love authoritarian power mm-hmm. in we're all gonna, its forms we're gonna have the hunger games of podcasts <laughs> we're already there chad we're already there all right i am glad that we have selected kentucky route zero unanimously as best narrative, as I am told it is a good game. (laughs) For good people. For good people. Speaking of other elements of good games, Chad, what game had the best art direction? Uh, hmm. Didn't put one down for this one. No, Ah, I'm joking. I Um, see. I am in hysterics at your jest. Uh, I, okay... I feel like I'm going to say words out of my mouth. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And. Stalling embarrasses me and this court. It's not a st- this is not a stall. This is a legit uh, cautionary statement because my choice is very base uh, and, and low. It's a smooth brain decision on this. If you say Tony Hawk's Pro Skater it's 3. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. No. My, <laughs> my selection for this is blasphemous. Mm. Um, I really loved the look of Blasphemous from the outset. And I do argue that there's definitely something deeper going on with it. Uh, they specifically modeled uh, the like design of the world and each of the characters around uh, actual like art from the period that the game is supposed to take place in, uh, just in a less fanta- like fantasy version uh, called The Real World. Uh, a guy, uh, I believe, Francesco Goya, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so there is something to it, but the reality of it is it is pixel art and it's animated really well. 
and everything looks gory and gross and beautiful and i really like it uh and it appeals to my inner animal and that's that is my choice you did own a shirt of this video game long before <laughs> it ever actually existed in that's the world true. and yeah. in a released form so I, I can tell that this at least is a genuine category submission from you chad let's hope that your submission is equally genuine uh, so how dare you imply that this is the smooth brain option because i also picked blasphemous <laughs> <laughs> ah i see you have found conflict in the midst of this agreement mm-hmm. why do you believe blasphemous why do you belittle yourself with this decision the point goes to andy <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, the reason that I say that is because the game itself, like, the game is a Souls-like game that is 2D, Metroidvania style, you jump around, you get stuff, you hit things, and it looks cool, and I guess you could argue that the, the art style is supposed to sort of, like, connect it to its roots, like, in Super Metroid or Castlevania and stuff like that, but there are games, I think, Kentucky Route Zero being a great example of it. Uh, I think you could argue for her story, uh, even though there wasn't a whole lot of art <laughs> happening, uh, that really integrate with the game really well. Things that 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 actually like add in a way to the overall experience, but just but it's this is like pure eye candy for me. You believe it to be fattening. <laughs> Yes, because it made me sit on a couch for 30 hours or however long. For me, it was the hands-down choice because it... It it does it goes the extra mile in a lot of ways that you don't see with a lot of games because it creates, like, this world. When the art direction is tied that deeply into world building like you have like all these different locations that like blend together it's like it's not just about like art style it's the art direction and there's so many influences and like chad said like it's based on the art from the time and like it gives it this sense of like realism i don't know if that's the right world or or word or like reality to it where it feels cohesive and like it's we didn't play a lot of other games that had that sort of quality this year and I am like a slut for that stuff. <laughs> we are all sluts on the No Clip podcast. We are. Let it be known. We are game sluts. <laughs> Love it. Damn it. You have given me a difficult transition subject here. I do not know how to bridge the gap between sluttery and unique mechanic sets. Two things that are in casual conversation <laughs> generally in very different rooms of the party. And yet we must soldier on. Andy. Yes. What video game that we played this year had the most unique mechanic set? I feel like we're going to keep on giving the same answer because I said her story. All right. Good. No, I'm, yeah, glad, no, I'm, glad, I'm glad that you did not pick that because I was. this was one of the ones I was sure you were going to put her story. <laughs> um, so I picked her story because... we played a number of games where like on the cast i'm like i haven't played anything like this but i think that's probably the most true for her story um it's you're playing as a character that's sitting down at a police database and you're going through all these clips like that you interact with like through a search engine so you type in keywords and it brings up videos and you have to watch the videos because there are 
of an interview with this woman and you had to try and figure out like what happened with the case, but it only gave you six videos at a time. So you can't get too much information at once. And you had to slowly piece together this narrative. And it is unlike anything else that I've played personally, AKA most unique. What say you Chad? Um, I think her story is a phenomenal choice for the category um, and definitely one that I considered. I I think my choice for this category goes to Heaven's Vault. Um, And the, I have like a, I I had a big argument in my head over this and her story was not the only other game that I was considering. Um, So it's going to be hard for me to rebut because I agree so heavily with what a unique and interesting game it is. But when it comes to Heaven's Vault, the primary game mechanic of... uh, uh, I want to say, like, the most interesting parts of the game is a translation mechanic where you look at a word in another language using a different alphabet and attempt to connect it not, like, in a letter-to-letter pattern-matching kind of way, but through, like, context and understanding of the language and the culture. And that is not a thing that you map to the A button in a game a lot of the time. And it really does make you feel like a linguist. It makes you feel like a detective. It gives you a lot of, uh, like, genuine appreciation for the amount of work that was put into driving this home. And I think it also gets a bit of a bonus for standing out in a game with a lot of very medium style other interactions. So it like skyrockets it to the point where when you get it, like when you get that moment where you're actually doing translation, you go like, hell yeah, I'm so excited to do this. So they make you happy and excited about words in a way that I feel like no other game really has. Uh, so I think that's most most unique, if not my favorite, but very close, if it isn't. I see. Are you happy about these words, Andy? <laughs> uh, I also very heavily considered Heaven's Vault, but the thing that made me not pick it is, that I guess depending on how you play it, but like half to over half of the game can be not the translation system. It is also like a walk-around and talk to people like with dialogue trees kind of like adventure style game for lack of better (laughs) words but um and i feel like that kind of holds it back a bit for me because it it a lot of times just kind of feels like a narrative adventure game like a telltale style thing or something like that um the and the actual like mechanical interaction of like putting the words in is cool but it's not something that, like, I don't know, when I was thinking about this, it's something that didn't, I feel like, wow me as much as, like, I feel like her story's big uh, advantage for me was it's got that indie game focus. Like, the whole thing is interacting with the computer, and the fact that they managed to make that into, like, a great game, it, it, it you know, it kind of, like, blows you or blew me away anyway like i think that's like ign.com uh it's just like super impressive and all the little subtle design things to make sure that you don't solve the mystery too early it's like there's a lot of 
they just they squeezed this like amazing game out of this orange of a concept (laughs) and that i think that's really impressive and pushed it over the top for me i see so while her story's orange juice is is pure and fresh Uh uh-huh you object that chad's orange juice has been diluted by the water of conventional ad- adventure game overland mechanics yeah it's that's actually a really good f- pulp. <laughs> that's a good food metaphor actually yes all of my food metaphors are good <laughs> i mean they're the greatest thing that anyone's ever said excellent he's had a lot of practice mm-hmm. excellent it shows and i'm very impressed while you earlier chad attempted to describe the contrast present between conventional mechanics and unconventional mechanics as as heightening the heights of those mechanics i must admit that i remain unconvinced have you a word to say in your defense before the guillotine falls yeah i think that if i think this would be a lot clearer if the category was best mechanic or most unique mechanic as opposed to most unique mechanic set because there's definitely an argument that i can see that the fact that there are other things to do in this game means that as taken as a whole, walking around and talking to people isn't really a new idea. Um, I would like to rebut that you can play Minesweeper in her story, which is a game as old as time. Uh... (laughs) It seems that while there may be pulp in Chad's orange juice, there is a hot steaming dump in the middle of yours. That's that's completely optional, and it adds to the illusion of it being a real desktop. Uh, Dump on the side, I see. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's definitely some dump slurry in, in the the sailing mechanics in in uh in heaven's vault as well oh yeah i didn't even mention that those kind of suck yeah so there's some bad mechanics in there that but that's what i'm saying though it makes the part of the game that you that you bought the game to do (laughs) almost guaranteed so much higher uh especially in comparison yeah if that's not a good enough argument then i i don't think that i'm gonna take this one that you bought the game to do in her story is the whole game your effort was valiant i commend you for rising above your your prior failures but uh, and slandering a game with talk of minesweeper <laughs> indeed but let he without shit in his orange juice be the first <laughs> to, to drink it to, not, to drink it sure acceptable end to that horrid comparison equally acceptable uh is your victory andy kennick in her story i i prefer concentrate in all that i drink Mm -hmm. through my game mouth (laughs) oh what's that oh it's the chanting and the chimes god damn oh the hour is here (laughs) it is time for our final ascension the culmination of this the entirety of our podcast game of the year who ta- wait who won overall pardon <laughs> like the person who does game of the year first should be the person who won the most individual categories ah i see you were not here in this court to find truth for truth's sake you were here merely to, As to a competition, best, yes. yeah, your opponent. And I bring this up because I'm like 90 percent sure that it was Andy that won the most I am categories. also sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do not fear, Chad. 
Uh, I guess I fear. can go first. Yes. Uh, you good speak. game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, game of the year. GG's. We only yeah. accept GG's in this house, Andy. Do not slander the pedestal on which you are, you are standing. All right. So my game of the year is Divinity Original Sin 2. Um, I was looking over the games we did this year, and there are a lot of really good ones. Um, but... They're, most of them kind of like lack that quality that makes me really latch onto and remember a game. And it could be for a number of reasons, like the fact that I played it with other people. and But like I still think about Divinity Original Sin 2 from time to time, and I'm like super eagerly awaiting Baldur's Gate 3 to come out, which is being made by the same team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a game that's really stood out in my mind and like I've kept thinking about, and that's usually the thing that, you know, like defines my favorite games uh so yeah divinity original sin 2 accomplishes like multiplayer multiplayer through like an rpg campaign in a way that like nothing else does like you just everybody is an equal participant in it which you which is crazy like now that it's i've seen it done like i can't believe no one's done it before Mm -hmm. uh in this way it's just it's really well realized there's a lot of depth to it it's a lot of fun and it's really well written. Like a lot of older CRPGs have like really well written like quests and things. Um, whereas like more modern games can be kind of lacking in that because it costs so much money to develop all the other stuff. Um, so this really has that kind of like all the best qualities of like the older games of that style and a lot of great qualities from newer things too. And it's just a really great game that if you're into RPGs, I'd really recommend. Hark the Andy Speaks. Chad, I'm going to go out on a limb here uh-huh. and and say that I, I, I'm doubtful that you will select as Game of the Year a classic 90s isometric RPG. <laughs> <laughs> Am I correct in, in this assumption? Uh, yes, entirely. <laughs> I see. Uh-huh. Uh, though I could see a comparison being made with the game that I chose. Dark Souls? Yes, it's Dark Souls. <laughs> Dark Souls game of the year. <laughs> Every year. Uh, no, this year, I agree with you. This year had a ton of smash hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of really good shit that happened this year uh, in our podcast and not anywhere else. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, it is our fault. We've stolen all of the goodness of the world and hoarded it in the No Clip podcast. Uh, and... I think that we played a lot of games that I that mean a lot to me at different stages of my life. Did a lot of really cool things uh, that opened my eyes to sort of like what games can be. From Tony Hawk being like an all-time favorite franchise for me. Uh, Amnesia, The Dark Descent, one of my favorite games of all time. I think really reinvigorated the horror genre as a thing. Uh, Kentucky Route Zero just finished releasing at the beginning of this year. And is an incredible piece of storytelling. But the thing that I want more of, the thing that I need more people to play for the love of God, Her Story is my game of the year for this year. Uh, I, I think this game is incredible. It's a game that if any, if I have the slightest inkling that a person that I'm talking to is somebody that I may like as a human person i will be like have you played her story could you try playing her story for me Mm -hmm. uh it's like endlessly recommendable for me uh just 
because it's so easy to get into. It's easy to access. It's great to just sit down and play and have an experience. And I want more games like that. I want a game that is interesting and short and small and makes you feel smart because it makes you think about stuff and write things in a notebook. It's just a fun time to have. It's like playing a single-player board game, and I, I love it. It's so good. I'm glad that your heart is filled with love in this moment. I wish to reciprocate <laughs> in this small way uh, by announcing peace accords here on the No Clip Podcast. <laughs> we will not be crowning victors amongst Game of the Year compa- candidates. We will only be celebrating all that they have accomplished <laughs> in their time upon this podcast. Excellent work and excellent gaming to you both. <laughs> now, in the aftermath of our feasting and merriment, I, I would like to reflect back upon the good times, the better times. Do you believe that your episodes for each of these games reflected their overwhelming quality? Uh, I picked a different game for episode of the year. Same. Um, and that mine is Dujana, uh, which is as I discussed at length earlier in the, in the debate, uh, it's a very surreal out there indie game. And I think that's one of my favorite things about doing the podcast is like doing weird indie stuff. It's almost like the video game version of heroin for me, where it's like (laughs) we played undertale really early in the podcast life. And, uh, you know, and I played it completely blind, and it was like this really cool, unique game. And we talked about it a whole bunch. We did an epilogue episode. We talked about it twice. Um, we just kept talking about it, and it's really like one of those things that stayed on my mind. And I'm always like, when's that next really weird, interesting indie game going to come along that's going to blow my mind again? And Dujana doesn't quite rise to those heights, but man, is it a surreal, unique indie experience that tickles that same part of my brain. Uh, I I loved and so it was really interesting to talk about. Uh, we we got like it's a pocket episode that probably cracked an hour because um, there was just so much to say about it. And yeah, it's it just like it it'll stick in my mind. It had a weird claymation look to it. It has like it hits that quirky indie game checklist real hard Mm -hmm. and it was just really fun to discuss and then as the cherry on top the person who developed the game joined our discord and talked to us about it a bit which is probably my favorite thing that's happened uh as a result of the podcast so indeed they were cool yes jack king spooner if you're listening to this which you aren't uh you're a cool dude what else was cool, Chad? What else was cool? Um, yeah, Dujana actually was definitely on my list as well. Um, but not what I ultimately went with, but I think similar reasons. And I'm glad that you picked one of the pocket episodes that went a long time. Mm-hmm. Because the episode that I chose is going to be uh, Life is Strange to Weed Economist, uh, which was... God damn. It was like a two and a half hour marathon episode. Uh, so I, I am I am saying this for my favorite episode of the year, knowing how bad it sounds to be like the best one is the one that is also just so unbelievably long. Once again, you have kneecapped yourself at the <laughs> outset of your own discussion. 
You have yeah. so few knees left, Chad. I, I am I hoping. Have zero knees remaining. You could crawl to victory in this moment. Uh, but I don't know. The episode's really, uh, like, enjoyable to me, mostly because I feel like we really nailed it. Like, we settled on sort of, like, our interpretation of it and how we felt it did, especially in relation to its own predecessors. And that like com- that intrinsic comparison that just that the game forces you to make was like a really interesting way to frame the whole discussion of it and the uh we had guests on uh we did it remotely and it didn't sound like garbage uh which is great news cuz that usually happens um so i don't know i just i i like that one there are a lot of very good jokes in it uh and i will go back to it very rarely but I do play it on 1.5x speed when I do. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. That one was my runner-up. Nice. Well, I, for one, am, sit here sated, my stomach filled with game turkey, mm-hmm. my goblet full of game wine. The ocarina of wine? I hope next year can give us an, an equally bountiful crop of wonderful and merryful games. <laughs> JJ's favorite episode of the year was the new introduction. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Indeed and always forever. Uh-huh. Uh well that'll do it for the No Clip Awards. I will depart now. Okay. <laughs> In back into the ether. Banish you to the, back to the shadow realm. Mm-hmm. And then a sound effect of like flames whooshing quickly. <laughs> but, <yeah. sighs> mm-hmm. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you can still be here for the outro. No, I will, I'm not going to speak another word. Okay. All right, now really back to there, I guess. Um, that'll do it for the No Club Awards 2020. Uh, been a bad year. Been a okay time on the podcast, though. Definitely enjoyed that part of it. Um, <laughs> uh, next time, and... Uh, I mean, I don't know if you want to ask what we're doing next time. What are we talking about next time? Uh, Next time, and we've already told you this if you listened to our last episode, uh, we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy X. Well, Uh, at this point, uh, No More Heroes hasn't come out yet. Is this coming out before No More Heroes? No, No More Heroes will come out before this. So never mind. Yes. Never you mind. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... And until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or at splattershot.pro. There you can find links to our Twitter. You can send us an email. Uh, You can get in our Discord and tell us what you thought were the smashiest balls of 2020. Uh, And also argue about other things if you want to uh you can find all of our old episodes on our website or on our youtube channel um including the no clip awards 2019 or 2018 (laughs) uh thank you for joining us and thank you wherever he is jj for joining us again for this episode we had to gather several small animals to sacrifice <laughs> to complete the ritual mm-hmm, to, to draw. Bring back, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you got any uh, 
you should smash the like buttons, boss, <laughs> so it can be the winner next year. Yes, the winner of Smash Youth Balls is the subscribe button. Is the subscribe button. <laughs> I disagree. The like button clearly had Smash Your Balls this year. <laughs>